0: This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. I live just a few miles from Hallis Hall, the practice facility and headquarters of the Chicago Bears. So I occasionally see Bears players around town. I always seem to run into Brian Erlacher and Chipotle or Chili's. Something interesting, though, happened one day at a little deli I used to frequent. Uh, it was called Eloise's, and it's uh, it's closed. Uh, she just decided to retire and didn't consult me on that, so uh, <laughs> it's not there anymore. But I remember her telling uh, my friend and I about a customer that had been in earlier. This was on a Monday. and. And uh, the customer, two customers are waiting in line. One's getting his coffee, and he's wearing a Bears jacket. The guy behind him said, and this is after a loss on a Sunday, uh, so the guy behind him says to the guy in the Bears jacket, well, it's not a very good day to be a Bears fan. And the guy wearing a Bears jacket kind of turned around and said, it's always a good day to be a Bears fan. <laughs> Got his coffee and walked out. So uh, Eloise said, so I, I told the guy, the, the customer, when he got to the front and said, now, you know who that was, don't you? He says, no. And she says, uh, that was George McCaskey, one of the Bears owners. Of the McCaskey family? Yes, yes. Oh, that's a great yeah, story. I know oh, it. Oh, my. So I guess the moral of that story is it's good to know who you're talking to before you get involved in a conversation. Oh, man. And, and I think that's true about Rivers as well. You'll have a much better experience and hopefully won't make a fool out of yourself If you get familiar with the rivers that you're going to fly fish.
1: We should also add that you also get to know a river the more you fish it, right? Oh, yeah, that's good. And you can't possibly know everything before you fish it. Fisher River. And- oh, well, I always do. Yeah. <laughs> no.
0: No, you're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I mean, it,
1: it, be, it becomes like a spouse. Like, you get to know your spouse over time. Yeah. And your right. river is something that over time you get to know. And, yeah, you do. And uh, so this will be a good podcast to talk about. Maybe give us a frame for how to get to know your river. So Dave and I
0: want to go over... Uh, seven diagnostic questions to ask about the rivers you fly fish. You can ask these before you fish them, but also, as, as Dave pointed out, as as you fish them. Because I agree, uh, you you can't really get to know a river until you're you're fly fishing it, and and just you know that's the only way to learn some things. So uh, here we go. Seven diagnostic questions to ask about the rivers you fly fish.
1: The first question is, what type of river is this? And Many of you know this already, but it's really good to review now and then. There are three main types, and a lot of the other questions will actually answer themselves once you've answered this question, Oh, that's so true. So the first, of course, is the Freestone River, and the source is surface water, mostly rainfall, snow, and snow runoff. So these rivers are subject to the conditions uh, such as storms and heat, and they can flood easily. And when... Heavy water churns through the river or stream bed, it displaces the stones, hence the name Freestone. Freestone. Freestone, yeah. baby. Often you have to relearn familiar stretches from one year to, to another. Oh, that's so I know in the gardener, I, I just remember that the, the, the runs change. Now, there's a couple yeah. deep runs that mm-hmm. don't change. I mean, they change, well, they change depending on what the water flow yeah. is, mm-hmm. right? But sometimes they really change and now that's less so on canfield creek the creek definitely rises and falls but of course that's a yeah spring that's creek the as well. one in the minnesota drift yeah, that yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. but so you always have to continually pay attention to the conditions oh yeah yeah you know, I, I
0: always think of uh, the yellowstone river and uh, good night you know if there are, there's three drops of water or like some of the locals say if an elk pees three drops into the lamar it's gonna you know, muddy it up and it blows out and then that runs into the Yellowstone and and yeah, I've i had I remember a day I've talked about it before, when I was on my way over to fish the Yellowstone in the spring. It was the, the Mother's Day caddis hatch was on and and even as I'm driving up the river I, I watched it change. You could just see the you know, the, the wall of mud is, is coming down. So, yeah, that's what you get with freestone. Now, the, the second type is a spring creek, and the, the main water source is underground, of course. It's, it's a spring. So these are much more uniform in water level and water temperature year-round. Uh, so, yeah, you, you don't have to worry about that that volatile uh, you know runoff. You might get a little surface water, but usually not much. Uh, but they they also flow through very mineral-rich soil, so that means significant aquatic plant growth, and that means you've got a lot of aquatic life like insects and scuds and crayfish and uh, what else leeches, worms that sort of thing. So uh, you have healthy fish, and yeah, sometimes some really pretty do. big fish. Now the upside or downside of this, depending on how you want to look at it, is these things are usually crystal clear. So trout have the advantage. And I've often marveled when I fish Nelson's Spring Creek in Paradise Valley in Montana, south of Livingston, that uh, those trout are so selective. They're, they're not so much spooky. They, they see you, but I think they're used to people. But man, are they selective. And you've got fewer riffles on Spring Creek. So uh, the, the name of the game here is smaller fly sizes and yeah. tippets. Tackles got to go. D- oh, yeah. Come smaller. Yeah. You really do. Hey, quick question. Yeah. So,
1: how does that, how does the runoff, because you have a lot of runoff because it's in this mountain area, how does that affect Nelson Spring Creek? Would you know, it operate much like a freestone in some sense? Or
0: No, because it's so, you know, the, the spring is, is there not that far from the river. And so um yeah that that so runoff the, from the mountains is is running up running into those creeks that are you know that are originating in the mountains and they're coming down and they're not you know they're not intersecting with nelson's at all so it, or, it's or really any of the minimal others. yeah yeah it really so you is you can
1: have the yellowstone blown out but nelson's yeah fine. That, that's
0: exactly right yeah, there, there might be times, you know, where you, you have some, water, you know, snow on banks that that melts. Maybe that would create a little bit of runoff. But no, those those streams are are always crystal clear. And you're right, you, you know, the Gardener or the the Yellowstone may be blown out, but. Uh, you can fish those things year round. You do
1: get some color, like in Canfield Creek. Yeah, right. You, know, you do. It's nestled in this little valley. And so there's yeah. a lot of water that flows. Stuff that just The comes watershed, down. yeah, yeah it comes down. Right. But it does clear pretty quickly. Yeah, almost it almost clears quicker um, oh, yeah, than the, some of those freestones. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it runs into the root. Yeah. Doesn't and the root's well. also
1: always stained. Yeah, See, it is. It's just a dark color. Always. And that
0: one, you know, Canfield will clear up before the roots. Yeah. So yeah, that's what you get with uh, spring Creek. So we got freestone, we got spring creeks, and then what?
1: Well, the third is uh, tailwater, which is a, a river or creek which flows out of a, a reservoir or lake created by a dam. And water is often mm-hmm. released at the botter, bottom of the dam where it's much colder generally and where the sediment is rich with nutrients. And so often you get larger fish in some of these tailwaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but the tailwaters are also often a bit off color and, and so fish are less spooky because they're just not seen yeah. like they are in the crystal clear spring creek. That's very creeks. true. True. So I've been thinking about the Madison River, Bear Trap, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's a tailwater Yeah, it there. comes down out of yep. Annis Lake. Uh-huh. Or Harrison yeah. Dam on Willow Creek. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's also a—Willow sure. Willow Creek really is a tailwater. It is.
0: You know, the Owyhee River in eastern Oregon, same thing. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so tailwaters resist the volatile effects that— that weather conditions have on freestone rivers, but conditions can change when water is discharged from a dam. Yeah. You've, you've experienced that in oh, the yeah. he, haven't you? Yeah, very. In fact, I think I remember uh-huh. somebody talking about a, a time when he was fishing a tailwater in which— That's
0: right, and the water suddenly rose, and he felt he like couldn't he get was back. in trouble. Yeah, he, was, yeah, he couldn't yeah. get back. Yeah, scary Or back to shore. Deal. Yeah, it was pretty oh, scary. Oh, I know. So that's the first question. What type of river is this? And and I think you're exactly right, Dave. The uh, the the next questions that we're going to ask are, are really influenced by that. So number 2, uh, how technical is the fishing in this river? And as you can guess, freestone rivers are usually a bit less technical in general. Uh, I'm sure there are examples Yeah. That, that, you know, there, exceptions there would be exceptions to, the rule, to that. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's the, the spring creeks that uh, are a little bit more challenging. So, you know, before you pay a rod fee, if you're a new fly fisher and you, you, you hear about, oh, I want to fish Armstrong's or Depew's or Nelson's in Paradise Valley, uh, know that these are not for beginners. It doesn't mean that you can't fish them, but you probably need to have a guide. You need somebody who knows what they're doing because they're just a different animal and they, they require a lot more... Uh, skill when it comes to precision casting and making sure that you lay that fly down so it doesn't spook the the fish that you've been stalking and uh, you know if if you're in the yellowstone that's a little different because you got more riffles and more wavy water and and your
1: casts are probably longer yeah don't you think right so it's 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 just a different thing so faster water can be challenging like stretches on the madison between hebgen and quake
0: Right. Yeah, that that's a good point too. That that's kind of the opposite side of it.
1: Um, There's a lot of pocket water there, yeah.
0: and you have to be accurate. And the drifts are short. Yeah, they they really are. So that yeah, that's to your point. You know, even in a even in a free stone uh, river, you've got a uh, yeah, you, you have to adjust. Sometimes yeah. that can be technical because yeah, the you, you've got a pretty small
1: window. So when I think of non-technical. Creeks, Especially, I'm thinking about brook trout fishing, right? Where, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you throw anything out there that's big and right. sits on top of the water and they hit it. And yep. we've had a lot of days like oh, that. Yeah. I don't know if we've had as many right. through the year, you know, in the last 10 sure. years. But right, that's not a technical stream. No.
0: And even, the say, the Madison coming out of the bear trap or, or the Yellowstone River. I mean, yeah, you have to have some skill. But those aren't technical. It's like, well, here's a big run and you just need yeah. to drift your... You're nymph through that, and if you get it down far enough, you're going to get a strike. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, here's a third one. How much pressure uh, does it get? Uh, you're going to fish a certain river. How much pressure does it get? Uh, you know, the Gallatin River, for example, in uh, just south of Bozeman, well west of Bozeman, and south of it gets a lot of pressure in the summer.
1: Well, note that we have never done a one fine day on a gallatin podcast yeah. because we avoid the gallatin
0: yeah we really do there, there's some beautiful water on it but there's so much pressure and and i think because of that the fish tend to be smaller there, there's a few places uh um you know and i lived in uh you know the dry creek area north of of belgrade and then we we actually sold that place and moved uh, east of uh I'm sorry, west of Belgrade, just east of Manhattan. We were really close to the Gallatin there, and i I used I found a few places that at certain times of the year, you did know, you ever where, catch any fish there? Yeah, yeah, I did. some really nice browns in the fall, but uh, but it's it's south from you know you get to four corners and and further south, man, that's where the pressure is. Did
1: we not fish to Gallatin one time? It was at the end of a trip. Yeah, and remember that. Yeah, and there was mm-hmm. you have to go underneath the the interstate. Right. Yeah, or we, the, that's
0: right. That's where we went. And
1: yeah, I think we each caught a couple, but yeah. it was not great. Mm-hmm.
0: No, that right there, you you have to go a little bit further south, but yeah, that stretch from Four Corners when you get down to the Gallatin Canyon, then when it when it uh, comes out of the canyon there, that that canyon is where they film some scenes from. A river runs through it, and it just it just. Beautiful, just stunningly gorgeous. But, yeah, I've I've caught fish in there before, but they're, they're, yeah, they're not as big, and and you just have so many people. So, yeah, you have to ask that question. Okay, how much pressure does this get? You know, sometimes the most well-known... Uh, rivers are are the ones that you want to avoid, at least at certain times. Yeah,
1: for yeah. for sure, certain times of the year. Yeah. you know that's why you and I prefer the Minnesota driftless to the Wisconsin driftless. Even though it's a good hour, hour and a half yeah. extra drive. But yep. at the end of the day, I, I've been in the Minnesota driftless fishing on a weekend, on a really arguably a holiday weekend. Yeah, on well, actually, on Labor Day. Yeah, we didn't. My brother and I and his son fished Canfield Creek, and there was not a single Man. person on the river.
0: Wow. Yeah, they're all fishing lakes, right? Yeah, they're there's all so fishing lakes, lakes yeah. in Minnesota. And there are
1: also so. a lot of streams around there too. Yeah, so that's true. There's just so much water, so uh, we just love fishing the Minnesota driftless simply because yeah. it's just there's so much less pressure. It
0: makes sense. So we're talking today about what fly fishers need to know about the rivers they fish. Uh, we've talked about uh, three
1: things that we need to know already. Dave, what's the fourth? The fourth is really important, and that's what kind of access does the river have? And of yeah. course, this varies from state to state, and the access laws vary from state to state. The access laws in Montana and Wisconsin are really favorable. Yeah. When I first started fishing in started fishing in Wisconsin, I, I could not believe it. There were turnstiles for the fishers to go into the pasture. Yeah, it was like yeah. they were asked. They mm-hmm. wanted you to come. Yeah, and I know, I know that the the DNR probably pays the farmers right. for this access, mm-hmm. but it is not like I mean Montana. At the end of the day, if you are on someone's land and you had to walk up past the high water mark, I mean literally they'll run you down with they'll, they'll run you down with a pickup truck and a shotgun. Yeah, I mean. There yep, is no love happen. for outsiders in Montana. Right. I, I love that state, <laughs> yeah. but it's just so different. And so fishing in Wisconsin actually has been really wonderful. The same yeah. is true in Minnesota. Sure. Great great access. Yep.
0: And we should say in Montana with the stream access law, there are – there are access points, and once you get on a river, as long as you stay below the high water mark, unless if there's an obstruction, uh, you can walk up around somebody's pasture, and and, and that's fine. But uh, yeah, like you said, you just can't go walking across somebody's uh, property, or you'll uh, you'll find out in a big hurry that uh, yeah. you're in big you're trouble. You're
1: not wanted in Colorado. It's it's it, they do not have a great streamside access yeah. law. So unless you're on public land, when you're in the river bottom. You're on somebody's property.
0: Yeah, well, and another aspect of uh, being accessible is—is uh, is it favorable to waiting or not? You know, the—I think about the East Gallatin, where boy, it drops off immediately in a lot of places. If if you were to step in from the the bank, uh, you'd be stepping into three or four feet, uh, you know, of water. So it's almost impossible to you know you, you could go in at a bridge any any bridges uh, you know the, there's public access there and whether there's a fishing access or not you can, you can just start walking up river but uh, man all of a sudden you're in three or four feet you know, of, of water and, and even if it's not pro, even if it's not legal access kind of the you know I, I think we fish some rivers we say this is just a hard river to fish yeah. or, this is a hard yeah, yeah. stream to fish because yeah. it's it's brushy, it's, you know, what what you have to do to get to it is... Sometimes uh, you have these
1: long, slow sections, and they're deep, and Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to get through those sections. Yeah, it really is. And you, it takes, you know, the runs are really, they're far apart. It just, it makes it really difficult to fish. Yeah.
0: So we're talking about knowing your river. Here are some diagnostic questions, and we've uh, we've identified four of them number 5 is when is the best time of year and the best time of day to fish it now when we think about year I, I think about the lower madison and summer is not the best time i mean there's there's a couple of problems one is at least where it comes out of the bear trap where the lower madison would start from about warm springs to black ford it's uh it's not deep and so you know, in those warm summer days, that that water's heating up. It's getting up into the high 60s. And it's just not right to fish that, you know, after, you know, much after 11 o'clock or afternoon. And, and then the, the most predominant hatch in that stretch is the inner tube hatch. And, and all the, <laughs> the
1: folks come down on in the inner tube. So, well, didn't Dave Cumling say, our friend uh, that we interviewed mm-hmm. on the angling interview, didn't he say that they were, con- State was actually considering limiting Guide licenses yeah, that's to right. try to cut down on the traffic yeah, on some of these rivers. That's
0: true. Yeah. So another one, when you think about best time of year, would be the Firehole River, and and in Yellowstone National Park, and of course the, the Firehole, you get a lot of these, uh, you know, warm streams that are running in because of all the thermal activity, and and that's fine in the spring, but boy, you get into the summer, and that's not going to fish as well. I think about the Gardner River. Um, you, know, you can fish that in the summer and, you know, catch 8 to 12 inch fish and maybe a lunker occasionally that's 14. But man, in the fall, that's where those big runners will sometimes stack up. So year is important. Uh, I think day is important. Uh, I think about the Osable River in Michigan. Uh, a few years ago, my son and I went up there and... We wanted to fish the Ossobel River because I, I was born not far from Grayling, a little community called West Branch. And, and you know, that's kind of a fabled river. And and you know we, we just decided, hey, let's hire a guide so that we can float the thing and we'll learn a little bit about this. So we did that. And we, <laughs> we, we discovered when we were there, uh, you know, they didn't tell us this up front, but if you're going to fish during the day, what you're going to catch are you know, eight-inch brook trout. That's pretty much it. The fishing for the bigger fish happens from about six to midnight, and we didn't know that uh, going into it, or we would have waited and tried to book a trip that was uh, was going to happen in the evening. So, yeah, that's one of those uh, things where you know the day is going to make a. You got to be there at the right time of day. Or well, just I remember, just,
1: yeah, just this last summer on Quake Lake. You know, the hatches are done by late morning. Yeah. And there was mm -hmm. a series of hatches, the trichos, and there were some calabatus, and Mm -hmm. midges were going for a while there as mm -hmm. well. But man, about 11 o'clock, it was over. Yeah, that was it. And so time of day is really, really important. And so... The same as the window for trichos on East Gallatin. Yeah. I remember about 11 o'clock or noon, mm-hmm. Yeah, they were done. I remember even on 16 Mile, we've talked about this a lot, but the trichos were really early, and about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, they stopped.
0: Yeah, and we've had some of those rivers, too. We have great hopper fishing, and then, boy, at 4, it's, it's just, done. It's or done. Or 3.30, it's yeah. done. Yeah. And, but then the, the opposite is true. Some of our fishing on and this would be true both in the west i think of uh the big thompson river and in, in rocky mountain national park and i think of timber coulee not, not far from lacrosse wisconsin boy both of those places started really heating up in the evening you get that evening rise and there are bluing olives or or uh you know just crane flies on the in timber coulee that are coming off and Man, the the best fishing of the day was uh, was like a half hour
1: before dark until you know dusk. The sixth question, the sixth diagnostic question, is what is the fish population like? And the truth of the matter is, there are just less fish per mile in certain stretches of rivers uh, than others. I was listening to a. uh, fishing podcast on the Truckee River. I think it's out in uh is it in Utah? That sounds right. Yeah. And it was I think it was by the Reno Fly Shop, okay. but he was just talking about these different stretches of this tailwater and he was talking about the they had done some shocking and 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 just mm-hmm. the difference between a year. I mean, sometimes there was I don't know let's just use an example yeah 10 fish per mile but the next year had jumped up to like a hundred fish per mile yeah. that, they had, mm-hmm. that they had been able to track and and so it just it just changes and sometimes especially with freestone rivers you just don't know i mean those populations can swing pretty wildly
0: yeah they can and and i know even in the yellowstone in paradise valley my folks lived almost on the river just maybe a hundred yards from the river Right near the Mill Creek access, and and you know from Mill Creek to Pine Creek, which was right near the KOA campground, you know there there were fish there, but boy, from Pine Creek into town, uh, you know it, it just there's just so many more fish, and that's that's the same river, but even there, like you say, it can change a little from year to year, but that's one that really didn't. It just seemed to be the same every year. And and you need to know those sorts of things.
1: I think health is 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 an issue. You know, has flooding oh, yeah. or disease killed fish? Mm-hmm. Another element of what the fish population is like is size. You know, am I yeah. willing? Am I okay with just catching ten to twelve inchers? Mm-hmm. And do I do I really need those sixteen to twenty inch fish? I'm going to say something here, and I don't know if this is controversial, but I kind of get tired of catching brown trout. <laughs> and yeah. It's like the most common fish these days. And if you look at Instagram and all the pictures, it's always brown trout. Yep. I wish we caught more rainbows and brook trout. Actually, and I wish cutthroat. we caught more br- and cutthroat. cutthroat. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. Now, every time we fish to Yellowstone, we're catching cuts, right? Mm-hmm. But there are so many brown trout in every stream. And that's really true in the driftless too now.
0: Yep and they they crowd out the other fish they just do they especially really do. the
1: lower parts of the of any creek you know it tends to all the studies show at least the ones i've read that the you know the fish can obviously withstand lower te- or higher temps yeah. so they end in some of the lower drainages and the yep. lower reaches of the drainages and often the brook trout will move farther upstream yeah. so anyway uh, that's just neither here nor there but um, it's just interesting that so many fish that i catch today are brown trees. Oh, yeah. it's probably 3 to 1 right oh yeah 4 to I-
0: 1 I bet that's true. I bet it is. So a final question that uh, we think is wise to ask, another diagnostic question about the river you're going to fish, is what dangers might I encounter? We always keep coming back to this theme because we, we care a lot about safety. We uh, we value our own lives and we value yours as well as as listeners and so what do you encounter i mean rattlesnakes uh, the the lower madison man that sounds great and it is it can be good fishing but uh, you have to know if you park at warm springs and and you're on that side of the the the, the madison and you you, know, you start heading up the trail boy the first 100 yards or so is really thick with rattlesnakes and yeah. uh, always have to be careful
1: the other thing is grizzly bears obviously we've talked about this Mm -hmm. you know ad nauseum but you know even in the super eight parking lot remember that time yeah that's right in Gardner, yeah Yeah. came in around nine o'clock it's dark and there's this big sign beware there's been a grizzly seen in the parking lot yeah
0: and they told (laughs) us that then when we went into to get our room i know it's crazy you know moose are another uh, issue don't always think about moose but boy they're they can be they can yeah. be nasty uh, i
1: remember hunting once in colorado uh we were hunting for elk and i came up over this ridge and here was a cow with her calf oh boy and i'm like this is not a good situation no. and i was within probably 40 to 50 yards wow. And I just kind of slowly backed up and, and did this big workaround, mm-hmm. you know, to this other ridge. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you come up on those and they are just not warm creatures. No, no, they're, they're not. They're not wagging their tails. No. <laughs>
0: I remember a cow moose one time in a, uh, fishing some beaver dams that were south of Jackson, Wyoming, Jackson Hole, in the the, the Buteront National Forest. And, and uh, you yeah, know, here's this cow moose kind of you know kind of up to her her belly and you know water and right in front of that there were these two really good holes i actually caught some nice brook trout out of that but boy that that moose uh uh, made me nervous so you gotta watch those but you got animals but there are other dangers too steep
1: cliffs you know some rivers are really fast really fast current and then even this might seem kind of weird but i think weather in some places like a squall especially yeah. where we mm-hmm. fish in some of the more remote places where we hike in the squall yep. moves in really quickly and anyway there's just you know what are the what are the conditions like on that yeah on that river absolutely so I think what we're saying is you'll have a better experience on the river if you get to know it before you fish or or at least think about these categories as you fish and get to know a river i mean the categories I think help you become a better fisher right Yep,
0: absolutely. I mean, in, they in a sense, do. what you're
1: taking is all this information, putting mm-hmm. a frame on it, and saying, okay, as I think about this stream or this uh-huh. stream, yeah. it just helps you become, I think, a better fly fisher. It
0: does. And to, to circle back to something you said at the outset, uh, it does take time to learn a river. You can do some advanced scouting and reading, and you should. You should listen to the intel you get, but uh, there, there's no substitute for getting to know a river by yeah. fishing it. And I think that's one of the fun things that we've had, isn't it? We go back to a lot of the same places year after year, and we always try to add some new water. But I love going back to some of the old familiar places because we've, we've gotten to know them. And even though they're freestone rivers and they're going to change, we, we still have a really good feel for what that river is going to be like. And what
1: to expect that time of year. Remember yeah, right. Remember Dave Cumling, mm-hmm. our friend, who talked about that one creek we fished together? Yeah. He said he had fished it over 100 times. Now, he did, he totally killed it in terms of fishing. I mean, yeah. got, I don't know how many fish he got that Man. day. It was over 50. But he knows the runs. He knows what they're going to hit yeah. on, mm-hmm. the time of year. Yeah. There's just something really wonderful about knowing a river.
0: Oh, there really is. So that's a, yeah. maybe that's a good challenge for all of us is, uh, uh, yeah, you want to explore new territory, but uh, find a couple rivers and become experts or stretches of rivers yeah. and yeah, uh, for sure. that's learn great. them well. All right, here's a terrific comment from uh, one of our listeners. All right, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a terrific comment from Eric about our podcast on avoiding fly fishing burnout. Uh, this is what he wrote good podcast about burnout. I'm a physician and it's a real deal for our profession as it is in many professions and pastimes. I would add to your dictionary definition that burnout, based on personal and common experience, is not a brief feeling rectified by one day of rest on the last day of one of your trips as you alluded to in your podcast, but it's a pervasive negative attitude and emotional distaste for the formerly enjoyed activity or hobby or job. Uh, It resonated with me as I had over 25 days of fly fishing in the Bahamas, Florida, and the North Rockies this year. I had a great time, but I got a little burnt out because I was on the move all the time between work and play. It really didn't recharge me as it has in the past. Now, I'm sure your listeners are really feeling sorry for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's right, Eric, we feel bad for you. But then he says, seriously, Uh, I sometimes finish a trip and the thought of planning and gearing up for another trip doesn't enthuse me. Your podcast about Dave getting started in European-style nymphing was very informative, interesting, and after thinking about it, it invigorated me and it was just what I needed as a shot in the arm for my fishing passion. I'm tying flies and may get a European-style nymphing rod for Christmas. I'm going to try give himself a rod. That's yes, awesome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, maybe he maybe he shared this with his uh, wife or family member. But <laughs> but yeah, great. if he's like us, we're reading our situation into it. my we'll,
1: fly ride will come before Christmas. That's exactly because I right. ordered it. Yes. Oh
0: man. So Eric concludes. He says, "I'm tr- I'm going to try to find a little bit more balance in my life as well. I've not spent much of my life just relaxing. Thank you for your wise words." Well, really thank you for your Eric. That really was very insightful. And, you know, he's, he's right. We talked about, um, maybe, you know, like at the end of a four day trip, we needed to take the fifth day off. Maybe that avoids, we could call low level burnout and maybe burnout is, is, you know, overstating that. But yeah, there, there's a range of that. I mean, that you know, it can happen in a, in small doses, but you can really get into situations, though, where it's it's something much more significant. Yeah,
1: that that's what I took away from his comment, that real burnout is not fleeting and a and yes. momentary yeah. sense of exhaustion mm-hmm. and feeling tired. It's something that even significant yeah. rest doesn't correct. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And, and it's repair, or to repair that, requires time, I think. Yeah. And it's not just simply you know stopping doing it for a day or starting to fly fish more mm-hmm. uh, it was that's actually a really good insight yeah, yeah. i yeah. mean it's... he's a physician so that makes perfect yeah. sense that, that's a good one that has yeah, got it's us a thinking. great comment
0: it's got us thinking all right that's all for today are there any other categories we ought to add when it comes to learning the river as we fly fish you can respond by commenting on this podcast link at com. What else should we pay attention to when we're trying to learn a river?
1: And thank you for referring our podcast. Please continue to do so to everyone you know. That's how we grow. We are grateful for your trust. We'd love to hear your ideas for podcast episodes, so keep sending them. Often we'll just get them from comments that you make, so keep yeah, commenting on great. everything, as Steve said. We really appreciate that. You can email us at Steve Dave at two guys in a river.com. One more thing, be sure to pick up the book, the Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. Life is short. Catch more fish. You can find that on Amazon.
0: Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathieson, and I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are two guys in a river. For the love of
1: fly fishing.